raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The 43rd edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty and the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys today recapping Carolina's 83-67 season opening, Hubert Davis era opening win over the Loyola Greyhounds last night in the Smith Center. We are going to recap the win last night, um, give our thoughts, our takeaways, and, and and you know get into some stuff later in the show with uh, with some closing notes, uh, including a punishment for Anthony following his uh, cussing brigade the other night uh, when we were previewing the game against Loyola of Maryland. Great. Um, there there has been uh, a punishment brought down by me that will be carried out throughout the rest of the podcasting season. Oh, this will be something stupid. Oh, oh, this this is going to be. Fantastic. But first, let's go ahead, break down the, and recap this win. As I mentioned, 83-267 win over Loyola. Not the most impressive season opening win we've seen, but also not the most least impressive as well. Carolina won their 20th consecutive season opener, including their 16th straight at home. Started the game on a 15-3 to run. Never relinquished that on the way to the win. They shot 53% from the field, 38% from behind the three-point line. They held the Greyhounds to just 44% shooting and 28% from behind the three-point line. Carolina put four players in double-figure scoring, led by Caleb Love, who scored 22 points, 7 of 13 from the field. Brady Manick added 20 points on 9 of 15 shooting off the bench. Dawson Garcia and Kerwin Walton did reach double figures scoring. Let's look at the stat of the game, a new feature that we're going to have in the recaps of the games. We're going to have a stat in the game and then my quote of the game from Huber Davis. 
the stat of the game I put down, and we're going to really break this down here in a few minutes, was Carolina out-rebounded Loyola 37-30. Um, so a single-digit rebounding margin, but just six offensive rebounds, which nine of them were converted into second-chance points. Not the same rebounding effort we saw from Carolina in the exhibition against Elizabeth City State, of course, a step up in competition. But even what we saw from the reported stats from the scrimmage against Florida, Carolina not as aggressive, not as effective on the rebounding glass, something that I will definitely monitor throughout the basketball season. Now let's get to my to the quote of the game from Hubert Davis. I mentioned Carolina got off to a 15-3 to start. That was bolstered by some impressive defense, and Hubie said after the game, at times I thought we were great defensively. One of the things I talked about before the game that I saw a pattern of in practices leading up to this game is we'd play great defense, but we finish, we, but we wouldn't finish it with the box out. So just do the things that we have practiced in practice. I can't wait to watch the tape. I'd say over 60, 70% of their baskets were on things that we've never practiced in practice. So that's what we've got to do as a defensive team. We're good but be consistently solid. If we can do that, we can cause a lot of problems. So let's get into our takeaways from the season opening win for Carolina. Um, I haven't given you a chance to talk just yet, so give me your initial thoughts on the the opening win for Carolina basketball. I, I said last night on social media, I, I think this is the best way to describe it. It's solid. But there's, I mean, there's still some things that you can take away from this and say there's room for improvement. They've got to be better if they're going to consistently win in conference play. But this, you saw last night throughout the sport, there were a lot of teams that were in close games or that lost mm-hmm. games that they should not have lost. Virginia. So this is, uh, you did what you had to do. You came out. You look good offensively. That's one, I mean, there wasn't much offensively that you could really be that upset about, maybe outside of the free throw shooting. That's one area that they're still, they still have to work on. That's yeah. a work in progress. Other than that, I mean, you saw, I mean, Caleb Love looked really, really good. And again, point guards looking really, really good in openers. Uh, doesn't always translate. But looked like a more confident player was more efficient from the floor, which is one of the things that we've talked a lot about with him, is that he has to be more efficient going forward. And then I think the pleasant surprise was that Brady Manick, he hit nine field goals, but only one from behind the three-pointer. They only won a five from three. He was doing a lot on the block. That's where he was having his most success. So you saw him showing that there is another element to his game and another way that he can win on the offensive end and put up points for you. That was uh, you know that that was what I thought was most encouraging. I thought Dawson Garcia played pretty well as well. Aggressive, twelve points, nine rebounds mm-hmm. in and I mean in, in twenty nine minutes and you know this is another a, a guy that probably won't be talked about a lot. Proud he played in this game because he scored two points. Leaky Black played really, really well in this game. And if you need anything to tell you that, he played 21 minutes and was plus 25 when he was on the floor. So, Well, I think the thing that really led to that and will lead to that 
and we talked about this so much when we previewed the front court, when we were getting ready for the season, he knows his role. I think he knows what his role is. It's 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 the most defined it's been. Yep. Outside of his freshman year where it was come off the bench, provide great energy, play good defense. Now he started, which he didn't start in the exhibition, but remember, that was going to be fluid. And I think it's going to be fluid maybe until we get to ACC play where Hubert Davis is going to tinker and figure out what he likes and what he doesn't. Well, until, until Kerwin Walton can prove that he can defend – at a at a decent yeah. level, it's it's going to be hard not to have Leaky as your starter, and and unfortunately for Kerwin, he didn't really do that last right. night. Exactly, but I thought I thought Leaky was an extension. I thought the the tone was set defensively by Caleb Love and by RJ Davis. RJ Davis, they were aggressive, they are, were active, their hands were getting um, on the basketball. You look at deflections if you value that stat, like Red Holtzman, the former coach of the New York Knicks, valued it then you know you could see that there were good things coming from Carolina. The thing that I noticed, um, and I saw this pointed out on Twitter, was I thought Carolina's offense just looked crisp. 83 points, 53% shooting. Um, now, you left 11 at the foul line because you were just 17 of 28, but I thought their sets were good. I thought they, they might have taken three to five shots during that game where I was like, that's a bad shot. And if I'm saying that's a bad shot, which I'm the most critical, then, then it's probably it's a, probably a good shot. It, it's probably a a, a decent shot. Uh, there are also ones that are bad shots that you say are bad shots, but it's like when the boy cries wolf. You say it so often that we're like, well, that's well, that that's that not might a bad shot. that might also be true. <laughs> but I never thought out there was like a handful of shots that uh, one of them was a Dawson Garcia three that was not in the rhythm of the offense. That was the one I was remembering. Um, and, and I just I would, you, you're right though. They there felt there were times last year where it was four or five possessions in a row where you were like, what? What are we? Why are we taking these shots? Right. So it was. I agree. Much more crisp. They didn't turn the ball over. As often, yeah, I know. I, I got into an argument today. Well, you turn the ball over twelve times against Loyola. Well, if you play seventy-five to eighty possessions, twelve turnovers isn't a lot. And I think you got to. One of the things that you talked about a lot last year was the type of turnovers. Yes. I didn't feel like there were a bunch of turnovers last night that left you saying, "What are we doing?" or led to points almost automatically right. off of them. Mm-hmm. You, you felt like the turnovers were, okay, well, they're understandable. It's also, by the way, this is the first game of the year. Normally, you're going to have some of those issues early on because you're still working through some things team chemistry-wise, and you're a little bit nervous out of the gate. To have 12 turnovers for a team that last year and the year before, dude, 12 turnovers was a, was a really good night for you. I feel like that's... You you have to feel pretty good. Dawson Garcia had the most on the team with three, and that yeah. was one guy that I think that's an area where he's got to be a little careful. But other than that, I never felt like last night, you saw multiple times the last couple of years, mainly last year with Caleb Love and R.J. Davis, where they would dribble into turnovers, and you're like, what what's happening? How are you? you you got to see the floor a little bit better. Right. That did not happen last night, and that is very, very encouraging. First thing that I got written down on the sheet was just something that we all expected was, which was improved perimeter shooting. I thought Carolina, you know, 
I think we entered the season thinking, well, man, they're changing the way they're going to play. So they're going to come out and start bombing like 30, 40 threes a night. No. No, they're not going to win that way. But they they want do they want to take more threes? Sure. But they want to take good three-pointers. They took 21 of them last night. They connected on eight of them, and it was spread out. Caleb Love hit was two of six. R.J. Davis, one of two. Manic, one of five. Uh, Garcia, one of two. And then, of course, Kerwin Walton, already on pace to shoot better than 47% from behind the three-point line. Well, here's the Three thing. of six. How many guys did you just name off right there? There was a point last year where you had three, maybe four guys taking shots, not making three-pointers. You had... Three or four guys taking that. Yeah. Kerwin Walton was the only guy making three-point shots. And, and so the, the biggest thing, kind of following what I just said, outside of that one dog, Dawson Garcia three, did I ever take? Did I ever look at it and say, that's not in the rhythm, that's not in the flow of the offense? Their first two baskets were three-pointers. You would probably think, well, man, you come out and make two threes, you're going to just shoot threes all night. They didn't do that. They ran the offense the way that they want to run the offense. And so that was really encouraging. Second thing was the 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 defensive intensity. The first seven to eight minutes, look, you're never going to play defense at a high level for forty minutes. It it's it's literally impossible. But if they could get that level to 34, 35 minutes, man, they showed the potential that they can be on the defensive end of the court. I thought they were active. I thought they were switching and communicating. You saw some different looks from Hubert Davis. He fell into a 2-3 zone. Um, and it was just all that in the summer where it was we were about to talk about being better defensively. Well, you saw that. You saw the diving on the loose floor. You saw the hands getting out in the passing lanes. There was only a couple times they got beat on the back door with an overlay. Um, now, I, I, I still don't. I don't get the let's go under a ball screen. Yeah, I heard that like 18 times last night during uh, during the game. But yeah, you know, shooting is too good now at this level where if you go under a screen, it don't matter what level. If they're a Division One player, you give them the ability to get a clean look off. They they can make it more than more than not. But outside of that, I, I really liked what I saw from the potentially from Carolina. Not 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 a complete defensive performance. But you saw bits and pieces of a defense that could be really good. They forced 12 turnovers. They blocked three shots. They had seven steals. We talked all summer, and I said all summer, I'm really excited to see what this defense, what this team can be defensively. They gave us a taste of that last night. I mean, look, they weren't perfect. And, and, and again, that is going to be a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Like, last night was a really good night offensively. There are going to be nights offensively where they won't play well but maybe they step up and play well defensively or there will be games where neither side plays well that's you this is a growing process under a new head coach that is implementing i mean look there are still elements of this system that are the same but you're talking about a team that went into zone multiple times last night that you just never saw under Roy Williams like <laughs> but but i like the adjustment and i mean look you you allow seven three pointers you didn't allow that to kill you, which I think the last few years, that probably would have that, that they would have been able to hurt you more often with that last night. Mm-hmm. And I mean, look, that was just a thing that started becoming more noticeable as later on in the Roy Williams era. But 
I, I, I'm with you. I think the energy was what you want to see. I mean, th- this is to allow 67 points to this team. I think a lot of people looked at this game and felt like this should be a game where you should allow like 50. You should be able to shut this team down, no problem. But I'm going to be honest, I didn't really have that many issues. I thought there were times where Loyola was just making shots. Yeah, there was there was so, a little bit of that. Look, Loyola was going, look, they had nothing to lose last night. This was a bye game. Carolina paid them to come to Chapel Hill and play. Right. They were going to be excited to be on national television, playing in the Smith Center, being a part of the Hubert Davis era opener. So they made some tough shots. They made some plays. That's going to happen. The magic number is 70. If Carolina can hold opponents under 70 points, they're going to win more often than not. This offense is going to get to 70 a lot more easier than it did last year, the last two years. I don't think 70 is going to be a hard number for this team to score night in, night out. And that feels so good because the last couple of years, it it, it was just so frustrating because you know that you've got guys on the floor that have the offensive skill set but for some reason, the shots weren't falling. And, I mean, at this point, I mean, I, I think especially with the last two point guards that you've had and with R.J. Davis being lumped in there, the fact that you've been playing with two big men has, has kind of hurt their, off, their their offensive efficiency. Right. Let's talk about the rotation because that's something that we've got to really monitor during the non-con season. Yep. Um, a different lineup that started from the, the exhibition. Hubert Davis opted to go... Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, as we expected. Leaky Black, though, no Kerwin Walton. Brady Manick and Armando Baycott. Love led the way with 31 minutes. As you mentioned, Leaky Black had the best plus-minus of any starter on any player on the floor with a plus-minus of 25. But off the bench, Dawson Garcia played 29 minutes. Kerwin Walton played 29 minutes. So it was a fluid rotational night for Carolina. It wasn't like I I predicted where every time the horn blew, there was going to be a new guy or two coming in, but you saw some different lineups. And then, remember, Armando Baycott got too fast, so he had to figure out how to protect Armando because there is not the, the amount of front court depth that has been here in the last 18 years or so, but really like some of the lineups for Carolina last night. The biggest issue was that I think we all want Kerwin Walton to start, but he's got to earn it on the defensive end of the court. But also, if he, if he starts, you don't have that instant offense coming off the bench. So it, 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 it kind of goes both ways where you want him in the starting lineup, but bringing him off the bench and you know, you got an automatic score also helps. Yeah, I talked about it in the recap of the exhibition. One of, one of the last two editions, and I said, look – that's going to be one of the things that's going to be the toughest for Hubert Davis to figure out is when it comes to Leakey and Kerwin, what lineup, what rotation, what works best Mm -hmm. for your team's success? Because, yeah, Kerwin Walton could be that guy that thrives the most coming off the bench because he's that spark plug. He's that guy that can come out and in the snap of a finger – drop three threes, and all of a sudden you're on a 9-0 run. That, that's the type of player that he can be. Or he can be that guy that's in the starting lineup and can be that consistent shooter for you all night, and then Leaky Black can rotate in and be that defensive effort guy. I think, like you said, 
you're going to see that change back and forth. And I think the thing to remember is that this could also be matchup-based. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is always going to be performance-based. So if a guy plays well in one game as a starter and he's not starting in the next game, it's not because, well, he's not doing something right in practice or right. whatever. Yeah. It Good might point. be a matchup thing out of the gate. So I think that's something to keep an eye on. I was also interested, look, Kerwin wasn't the only star the starter in the exhibition that didn't start in this game. Right. Gar- Dawson Garcia started in the exhibition. Brady Manick gets the start in this game. So that was interesting. But you're seeing those are the main guys. There's some depth here, but I think, one, we overplayed how much we were going to see Justin McCoy. I think his role is still... a. a I'm not going to say minimal, but he's going to probably be 10 to 12 minutes a game. His role is going to grow as the season grows. Right. And Anthony Harris, he only played six minutes in this game. That one shocked me a little bit. I thought you would see him as a veteran guy, a defensive effort guy. He would play a little bit more. So that was also interesting to me. There's a lot of depth that we saw in the preseason on this roster, but I think it's interesting. I don't think Hubert Davis looks at this roster and sees – guys that are rotational pieces that we thought were. I think he looks and sees Anthony Harris as like a depth piece more than a rotational piece. Yeah, I think I think barring significant foul issues, I think Carolina's going eight deep. Yep. Nine, nine at the most on a given night. And of course, look, it's early. It's one game. This is all going to shake itself out. Let's talk about the two best offensive players last night for Carolina. We'll start with Caleb Love. A lot of talk about him coming into the season, being more efficient, being more effective. He looked the part last night. Seven of uh, seven of thirteen from the field to get his twenty-two points. Only two of six from three. Six of ten from the foul line. But as and and look, Corey Alexander mentioned it over and over and over and over. As and, Corey's very good at doing, and over again, was more aggressive. But yeah. when he was being aggressive, he was more confident in his aggressiveness. It paid off. Getting to the foul line ten times. You want to see him, of course, convert better than sixty percent from the charity stripe. But he looked like a point guard that was in the second year, ran in a new system, but had a had a normal off season benefited from being in Chapel Hill like you're supposed to be during the summer as a college basketball player at Carolina, he looks ready to have a big-time season for the Tar Heels. I talked about it earlier with the team not turning the ball over as much. He was one of the main guys last year that struggled with turnovers. No turnovers last night. That's amazing. Yeah. That's a guy that is much more confident, much smarter with the basketball, and this is coming from a guy that there was a point in that second half where he just said, I got to start taking it to the basket. There were times last year he would take it to the basket and get stripped. That didn't happen in this game. So he there are, you can see the growth from him. And I think there were still some people, and there still actually are people that I'm hearing today, are concerned as to whether or not this growth will be consistent. Everything I mean, look, looked it's, better. It's the first game of the year. The game that looked, looked easier. That looked like a significant step forward. So even if that's not exactly what we're going to see every game, I think it's very obvious that this guy is going to take a pretty big step forward this year. And you should be excited as a Carolina fan. Again, is he going to lead your team in scoring every night? Probably not. 
but you're seeing a guy that I think last night felt more confident about where he's at, and you saw a point guard that you can trust can carry this offense at times this season. I don't know if I ever got to a point last year with him no, where never. I felt like he could carry the offense. Never. Now, I'm feeling like after that performance, okay, if there's nights where you need to put the ball in his hand and let him lead you, I think he can do that. Another guy the Carolina fans should be really encouraged about coming out of last night's game. We finally got to see Brady Manick in a game that counts. Looked apart. 20 points, 9 of 15 from the field. Only one of five from three. That's an outlier. That is not going to be what we're going to get from him night in, night out. One of three from the charity stripe as well. Five rebounds. But his offensive game, he did a lot of different things. Face up. Of course, he made the three-point shot. A nice turnaround where he had a smaller defender, so he knew how to use his size and use his body to create position and get a shot off. He's just smooth. He he he's got He's got a big-time game that I think Hubert Davis is going to unleash with these guards, with more floor spacing, more than he ever had since Trey Young left Oklahoma. I think there were a lot of people when he was in the portal that thought he was literally just a white guy that could shoot the three. That's not what his game is at all. He There are multiple levels to his scoring ability, and that is what is encouraging because you saw it last night. He's having an off night from the outside, which is where he can do a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. But he says to himself, okay, I'm not hitting the shots from the outside. Let me go inside and try to find my game in there. And he did, scores 20 and finishes second on the team in scoring. And he probably felt, honestly, looking back at the night, I could have been better. That you, This is something that Carolina's kind of lacked. Yeah. Is you, I don't know the last time probably since that 2018 season where you felt like we've got two guys that can legitimately score 20 points every night. And the thing is... Oh, no, 2019. The thing is, is you're going to have a bunch of different guys that can do that for you. Like, you feel like, okay, well, Caleb Love and Brady Manick did it in this game. Armando Baycock could be a guy that could step up and give us that in the next game. Kerwin Walton could give us that in the next game. You even feel like R.J. Davis could give you that at yeah. times. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think, that that's what's so encouraging about this. But, yeah, I, I like a lot. He looks like a guy that's a veteran of college basketball that has worked on his game for years. And I think he's not going to be the the most vocal leader on the floor, but he is really good for this team and really good. I think he's he's great for Dawson Garcia. Oh, Dawson yeah. Garcia is going to learn a lot from him because the games are very, very similar. So I feel like there he he's going to allow him to grow and bring him along himself. And I feel confident that Brady Mannix, a guy that can give you, I mean, 13 to 15 a game at this point. I mean, he showed last night he's got that capability, and he is going to be a better scorer than I think even we thought probably in the preseason. The one thing that I took away from last night where I identified that Carolina's got to be better, they got to rebound the ball better. 37 to 30 against a Patriot League type of team, that's not going to cut it. And I, I get the whole, well, you know, we don't have the two bigs on the floor at the same time. I get that. 
but you got to get more from your guards. And look, there was rebounding throughout the throughout the roster. Um, Garcia led the way with nine. Baycott was your second high with six. Davis had five. Love had two. Leaky Black had four. Manic had five. But you didn't impose your will. And that's something that I don't care if they've got two guys down there trying to box out Armando Baycott. Well, if you're the best player in the ACC or the best big man in the ACC, you should be able to rebound those two dudes. And it's not even, it was more of the offensive rebounds, just six offensive rebounds. Six. Yeah. Nine second chance points. Well, so, so rather efficient. When you got the second chance opportunity, they, they got more than one point per offensive rebound, which was my complaint in the exhibition against Elizabeth City State. Right, but six offensive rebounds. I think Dayron Sharp had that in one possession last year. You, there shouldn't be a game this year that Carolina doesn't have double digit offensive rebounds, and we that's already out the window in the first game of the season. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna prepare you. I don't think that. This is a team that is going to be able to rebound at the level that they have the last few years, which I think we kind of expected that a little bit. There are going to be games where they are going to be out-rebounded. That is going to happen. You probably need to be prepared for that against Purdue. I'm going to be honest. Look, I don't expect Carolina to always out-rebound the opponent. I I honestly don't. But I... I expect to see better rebounding numbers against that type of competition than what I saw last night. Now, look, a lot of it, when you shoot 53% from the field, there's not as many offensive rebounds to grab. But it's it's more the it was more the fact that when I felt like there was times we could have gotten offensive rebounds. And look, a lot of it was Hubert Davis getting his guys back and playing defense. And maybe that's a part of this team being a better defensive team is lessening the value of, of offensive rebounds. But there are going to be games where your best offense will be your second your second chance offense. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I I'm not going to be too concerned about it because I, I I think mainly on the defensive end they did what they needed to do. They they had 31 rebounds. Loyola of Maryland had three offensive rebounds. So they they took care of business on the defensive end. You didn't give them a ton of second chance right. opportunities, which as good of a rebounding team as Carolina has been the last few years. They haven't been a great defensive rebound. Th- there have been times teams have gotten them with those second chance opportunities off offensive rebounds. So that'll be interesting to monitor going forward. If they can take care of their what they need to do on the defensive end, I'm not going to be overly concerned, especially if they're a better shooting team. But yeah, I mean, I look, for you, I know it's going to take some adjusting too because I know there are going to be some games that you're going to feel like we should murder this team on the glass and That's, they come out and don't and, and and just aren't as good of a rebounding team. For me, the concern was Baycott. 6 rebounds. This this has got to be a guy I think if you want to be one of those top 3 teams in the ACC, he's got to be a double digit rebound per game guy. Like that's just got to be that's got to be where he's going where he's at because he is your main big man. Like yeah. You're you're looking for him to step up. He's the guy that everybody's pointing to if you have an ACC player of the year, he's your guy. You need him to be that guy especially on the glass every single night. The scoring's going to come from elsewhere. The rebounding? Not really. You you you've got Dawson Garcia 
maybe Brady Manic. Outside of that, is there anybody else that you can really rely on that has a track record? Not really. Even Brady Manic's track record as a rebounder isn't great. So you need Armando Baycott to be great on the glass. So there you go, guys. That's uh, that's all of our takeaways. From the win over Loyola, oh, let's run through the box score really quickly since I did not do that at the beginning of the recap. Carolina, uh, 53% from the field as compared to 44% from Loyola. Carolina shot 38% from behind the three-point line, 28% for the Greyhounds. Carolina, 61% from the foul line, 17 of 28. Got to clean that act up. Loyola was 12 of 21, 57%. 12 turnovers for both squads. Uh, 37 to 30, Carolina out-rebounded uh, the Greyhounds as we just Mentioned second chance points. Carolina got that advantage nine to seven. Uh, bench points twenty five to twenty in favor of the Tar Heels. Points in the paint thirty six to twenty six. Fast break points fifteen to ten in favor of Carolina. Well, let's we're gonna take a quick break. Here's this week's draft from it's this this week's ad from DraftKings. And when we come back, we'll have some closing notes, including Anthony's punishment for his cussing the other day on the pod. The NHL season is underway, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection. However they light the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with the promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit, and $1 wager is required, only one per customer. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Really hope you guys have made your way over to DraftKings Sportsbook app. Taking advantage of all of these great offers and promos we've been giving you on the Four Corners podcast and the Heel Tough, Blo- uh, Heel Tough Blog podcast. And earning big cash prizes as, uh, as we get closing on the holiday season. Somebody's uh, got it. Yeah. Um, all right. Closing notes. We will start first. Uh, I didn't. Me- I-, I mentioned this in the article. Not when we led Carolina's win on Tuesday night was their 100th win all time in season openers. They now improved to 112 in the first games of their season in the history of Carolina basketball. Not too shabby. Former Tar Heel Walker Miller, who uh, transferred out of Carolina, landed up in Monmouth with former Tar Heel uh, player. Now, Monmouth head coach King Rice had 23 points and seven rebounds in his uh, Monmouth debut. Yeah, he was balling, man. He was uh, balling. Um, and so really happy for him. We're going to monitor him throughout the season. Uh, Walker Kessler, just six points and six rebounds for Auburn. So What a lame night for him. That that decision was uh, really seeming to pay off for uh, Walker Kessler. 
Today for Carolina basketball was National Signing Day for the state or for the for the for college basketball. Carolina does officially sign Seth Trimble, Will Shaver, Jalen Washington, and Tyler Nickel to the 2022 recruiting class. If you missed any of our coverage about those guys committing to Carolina, there are past episodes of the podcast and of course articles on the website at heeltoughblog.com to go check out all of that. Now to what really matters. Oh, great. Here we, here we go. See, by the way, you, for anybody that's new to the podcast, they don't know. They think I'm just this foul mouth heathen. Well, you are. Doesn't, yeah, off air. I mean, yeah, exactly. well, we both are. But I would they do you to not believe that understand I... the situation as to why I was fired up and dropped said curses. That's neither here nor there. No, it definitely is not. We are a family program. I need you to explain the situation. I was able to talk about Rashad McCants in a respectful, calm manner without dropping expletives that the FCC would be calling us about. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm questioning your fandom because of it. I am. I am. I think a true fan would be willing to... To take it too far. So, and I did. You did not. In, in post production, I did consider bleeping out your 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 cussing rant. You probably should have. Did you mark it as an explicit podcast? I did mark it as an explicit podcast. Okay, pod. I just wanted to make sure we actually did yeah, the, the I, right thing there. I did. But then I got to thinking. Nah. Well, if well I, that nothing good happens when you do that. If I mark it as an expletive podcast, yeah. then that means I can find a way to punish him for making my podcast expletive. Always always looking for the one up, by the way. Oh, yeah. Great friend. So I I decided to leave it in, but it all ties in together. Here see, we go. You see, a story was written back a uh, a couple weeks ago about how Hubert Davis is eliminating cussing from the program. <laughs> I did see that. I did see that. So I was thinking, you know, look, we've done a lot of great things this summer. You know, we had to rename the pod. We rebranded the pod. Now we're the Four Corners. We got the pod thought of the day. We got some great things that really represent what Carolina basketball represents. This is an ego trip right here, by the way. So it's... it's. I don't like this. We've got to get the cussing out. I'm uncomfortable. So I'm, I can't make you run because there's no... no I, I, Okay, if either one of us runs, we may legitimately you you might be looking for a new co-host. So running is out of the question. Yes, ever. But walking is not. <sighs> what? So now here at and we're recording at our luscious studios, besides the bathrooms down the mysterious location. Yeah, here at, at our job here at uh, Sports Radio FNZ in Charlotte. You were, oh my God! You weren't supposed to give it away. They don't know where we're at. They just know we're downstairs. There's a running joke uh, uh, with all of us in the building about our, our our great boss, Terry Fox. Oh, yeah. Having an office that is outside in the elements. And that's where he conducts all of his business, both personal and professional. No, okay. Let's clear this up. The man does not use the restroom outside. This is actual business, like business work. That business is done inside where police cannot arrest you for doing that. So, but there's a running joke that he does laps around the campus. He takes our boy Seahog for a daily he walk. He legitimately is like pacing. He looks like a, a group of like 60-year-old grandmas. 
pacing the parking lot by himself. I mean, he's got the full-on, like, speed walk, yeah. r- runner shoes. Like, this man takes this seriously. It's, it's rather, I get exhausted watching him walk. Yeah, yeah. I've taken a nap in the car after watching him take a couple couple rounds. So this all comes full circle, and this applies to me as well. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. For every okay. cuss word that is dropped on air. Yep. And it could be as minimal as the A word, the H word, the D word, or to you're, your level. You're, you're kidding me. No, we are. You're el- not. You're not cutting that out. We no are, way. We are eliminating cussing on the pod for every cuss oh word that either one of us says on air. We both have to take a Terry Fox lap around. The Whoa, campus. Wait a second. We both have to take yeah, laps? Both of us. I'm gonna be honest. I may I may curse on every single podcast just to get us in better shape then. I I, <laughs> I mean I, you that know. Th- look, the fact that we are by the way, that we are seeing walking as a punishment, very concerning about our long term health. I was thinking about going after your money and starting a a cussing jar, but then I'd have to carry okay. the jar around. I'm gonna be honest with you, you you would you would add more money to that. So I just probably. figured I would scare you into physical exercise because I think you would rather pay money than stop cussing. I'm gonna be honest though, I'm in better shape than you. So I, oh, I doubt that. No, I'm telling you. Nah. I'm I'm telling you. So can you run up the stairs yes. without getting winded? Yes. You're a liar. I don't believe you. So this is where we are. Starting today, for every pod, for the history. By the way, how are we going to prove to people that we're actually walking? Oh, we Do will, we have to take videos? Oh, wait, we'll go Facebook Live. Oh, God. And we will go live on Facebook. By the way, nobody's going to want to see that. Oh. I don't want to. Nobody wants to see us doing any sort of physical activity. We are not specimens. Uh... Like like some of these dudes that we talk about. Speak for yourself, brother. I'm an elite. I'm getting back to church basketball legend form. I'm closing in on where I was when I was dominating the church leagues. Yeah, if you got the nickname Chubbs around anywhere, then you know. I don't have the nickname Chubbs. Sure. So anyway. Don't let them know. That is your... It is now a cumulative uh, punishment. A uh, what? Excuse me? What was yeah. that? I, 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 Cumulative? Yeah, I completely botched that By word. By the way, any botched words, you got to read the dictionary. How about oh, that? No. How about that? So there we go. Um, hope you guys are enjoying the pod. We're going to have a lot of fun this year talking about Carolina basketball. We're gonna yeah, we're of, only one game in. And this, we're going to have a lot of enjoyable. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun riding Carolina basketballs. We'll go to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. I had you covered from start to finish. For the preview and the recap of the win over Loyola, the same will apply for the upcoming matchup against Brown. And then any other fun feature articles that I can sprinkle in there about the team, we will work them way. We, we will work them into the rotation as we go through the basketball season. Football side of things, Carolina is in pit on Thursday night. We will have a preview recap or a preview article and podcast. On the, on the blog side of things, there'll be a recap and a stock report. Trenchport is done for the year as we are getting basketball season up and running. Um, and then, of course, on the podcast side of things, we will recap the, the, the game against Pittsburgh sometime next week as we will carry you through the end of Carolina football on the gridiron. As for the podcast side of things, you know where to find us. Uh, we're on the Basketball Podcasting Network. 
You can find us uh, on Megaphone, where we host at, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcast. Give us a like. Review me as the host. Review Anthony as the co-host. But most importantly, I want you guys uh, to subscribe. That way you get every podcast right there in your podcast library. Right now, we're averaging we're, – we're trying to do as many individual game recaps and previews for every podcast or for every game for Carolina this season. But given our work schedules and our personal lives, we will have to double up from time to time. But nonetheless, there's going to be a lot of podcasts so, coming. So mainly our work schedule. Yes. Uh, nonetheless, there's going to be a lot of pods coming in. So make sure you subscribe. That way you can wake up in the morning. Right there it is. And you can listen to it on your way to work, way to the office, on your way to work out, while you're working out. While you're taking your laps for cursing at your job. That could be something where we are doing our film reviews as well. So there you go, guys. Get the website, HealTuffBlog.com. Get to the podcast. Subscribe. So that way you get every podcast right there in your podcast library. Well, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com to find the best basketball podcast. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.